Our Old Testament passage today picks up in Genesis chapter 24 as we continue the the beautiful story of Abraham, a man who believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness, one of our early forefathers of faith. Genesis chapter 24, verse 1. Now Abram was old and well advanced in years, and the Lord had blessed Abram in all things. Now this is past tense. Had blessed Abram in all things. All things. His fields were blessed. His herds and flocks were blessed. His crops were blessed. Every aspect of his life had been blessed. (laughs) Now, you, you just need to get a revelation of that, okay? God will bless you in all things. Get a revelation of that. God will bless a person of faith in all things. Relationships, prosperity, business, education, you name it. And Abram said to his servant, the oldest of his household, who had charge of all that he had, Put your hand under my thigh. Now notice, here is a trusted man. Trusted man. In charge of all he had. Now can you imagine a man who Abraham trusted and put in charge of all he had? And that man was faithful. Now some of you employees, you need to get a hold of this. Not everybody's called to start businesses. Many of you are called to be professionals. Now, Can you be the kind of a person that can be trusted and put in charge of all somebody has and be found faithful? He said, put your hand under my thigh that I may make you swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of earth, that you will not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I dwell, but will go to my country and to my kindred and take a wife for my son Isaac. The servant said to him, Perhaps the woman may not be willing to follow me to this land. Must I then take your son back to the land from which you came? And Abraham said to him, See to it that you do not take my son back here, back there. Why? The future was in the land. You don't return. You move forward into your future. The Lord, the God of heaven, who took me from my father's house and from the land of my kindred, and who spoke to me and swore to me, to your offspring, I will give this land. He will send his angel before you, and you shall take a wife for my son from there. All right, so God will help. Now, we don't see an angel doing this, but obviously God did send an angel to help. Just like you and I don't see angels, but they're all around us. They're helping us. But if the woman is not willing to follow you, then you will be free from this oath of mine. Only you must not take my son back there. This is because of the promise. See, there are promises that God makes to us that determines decisions of life. The promise determines decisions. There are some people that never get a hold of that. They think that When God makes a promise to you, it'll happen wherever you are. And it's not like that. You have to be where God wants you to be for the promise to be valid. The promise determines decisions of life. 
decisions of life. So the servant put his hand under the thigh of Abraham, his master, and swore to him concerning this master. Then the servant took ten of his master's camels and departed, taking all sorts of choice gifts from his master. And he arose and went to Mesopotamia to the city of Nahor. And he made the camels kneel down outside the city by the well of water at the time of the evening, the time when women go out to draw water. Now notice, forgive me ladies, but men didn't draw water in those days. That was considered the woman's responsibility. And he said, O Lord God of my master Abraham, please grant me success today and show steadfast love to my master Abraham. Now, this is what I call the prayer of a professional. <laughs> Have you ever prayed, God, give me success today? Show love to my boss. No, no, Pastor, I just pray for myself. No, no. If you are working for a company, if you are working for an employer, this is a prayer of a professional. Grant me success today and show steadfast love to my boss. Behold, I am standing by the spring of water, and the daughters of men of the city are coming out to draw water. Let the young woman to whom I say, Please let down your jar that I may drink, and who shall say, Drink, and I will water your camels. Now, this was this is a big job. This is not a small request. I mean, camels can drink hundreds of gallons of water. Let her be the one to whom you have appointed for your servant Isaac. And by this I shall know that you have shown steadfast love to my master. Now, in other words, he was looking for a servant's heart. He was not looking for a diva. He was not looking for a donya. He was looking for, for a woman with a servant's heart. Now, gentlemen, you know what? If you marry a diva, your life is not going to be divine, okay? If you marry a donya, your mom, mama would teach you, don't do that. But if you marry a woman who has a servant's heart, who just loves to serve, she's going to be an awesome wife. She's going to be an awesome mother. She's going to be an awesome woman of God. Before he had finished speaking, behold, Rebekah, who was born to Bethuel, the son of Milcah, the daughter, the wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother, came out with her water jar on her shoulder. The young woman was very attractive in appearance, a man, a maiden whom no man had known. All right, so she was beautiful, and she was a virgin. She went down to the spring and filled her jar and came up. Then the servant ran to meet her and said, Please give me a little water to drink from your jar. And she said, Drink, my lord. And she quickly let down her jar upon her hand and gave him a drink. When she had finished giving him a drink, she said, I will draw water for your camels also until they have finished drinking. Big job. So she quickly, okay, quickly emptied her jar into the trough and ran again to the well to draw water, and she drew for all his camels. Now remember, how many camels did he have? Okay, how many camels did he have? He took ten He took 10 camels. So she drew all the water necessary to water 10 camels. The man gazed at her in silence to learn whether the Lord had prospered his journey or not. When the camels had finished drinking, the man took a gold ring weighing half a shekel 
and two bracelets for her arms weighing ten gold shekels. And he said, Please tell me whose daughter you are. Is there room in your father's house for us to spend the night? She said to him, I am the daughter of Bethuel, the son of Milcah, whom, he, whom she bore to Nahor. She added, We have plenty of both straw and fodder and a room to spend the night. The man bowed down his head and worshipped God. This is what you do when God answers prayer. And he did this in public. He immediately responded. He was not ashamed of God. And said, Blessed be the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who has not forsaken his steadfast love and his faithfulness toward my master. As for me, the Lord has led me in the way to my the house of my master's kinsman. Then the young woman ran and told her mother's household about these things. Rebekah had a brother whose name was Laban, and Laban ran toward the man to the spring. As soon as he saw the ring and the bracelets on his sister's arms and heard the words of Rebekah, his sister, thus the man spoke to me, he went to the man, and behold, he was standing by his camels at the spring. He said, Come in, O blessed of the Lord. Why do you stand outside? For I have prepared the house and a place for the camels. So the man came to the house and unharnessed the camels and gave straw and fodder to the camels. And there was water to wash his feet and the feet of the men who were with him. So this was a pretty good entourage, all right? But notice, the man came, unharnessed, gave straw. And food. Okay, this was a doer. Now, here's something that you need to get a revelation of. I keep talking to you about a good professional. A good professional is a doer. He didn't just look at the men who were with him and said, ah, oh, take care of the camels now. No, no, no. He gave straw and fodder to the camels. Ah, see, too often to, in today's world, when you are a professional and you're in charge, you, you begin to think that you're too good to do things. And you don't understand how that hinders your promotions and will often get you fired. All right. So learn to be a doer. Then food was set before him to eat. And he said, I will not eat until I have said what I have to say. He said, speak on. So he said, I am Abraham's servant. The Lord has greatly blessed my master and he has become great. He has given him flocks and herds, silver and gold, male servants, female servants, camels and donkeys. And Sarah, my master's wife, bore a son to my master when she was old and to give him all that he has. That notice, and to him, he has given all that he has. This is inheritance. My master made me swear, saying, You shall not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites, in whose land I dwell. But you shall go to my father's house and to my clan and take a wife for my son. And I said to my master, Perhaps the woman will not follow me. And he said to me, The Lord before whom I have walked will send his angel with you and prosper your way and you shall take a wife for my son from my clan and my father's house now back up and see a few things here later on when you see Isaac becoming wealthy recognize you've got to come back to here Isaac was rich and later becomes rich. 
Now you're going to see that there are some things that happen between here and here. All right. Now notice the angel, nobody saw the angel, but the angel prospered him in what he did. Then you will be free from my oath when you come to my clan. And if they will not give her to you, you will be free from my oath. I came today to the spring and said, O Lord, the God of my master Abraham, if you are now prospering the way that I go, behold, I am standing by the spring of water. Let the virgin who comes out to draw water, to whom I shall say, Please give me a little water from your jar to drink, and who will say to me, Drink, and I will draw water for your camels also. Let her be the woman that the Lord has appointed for my master's son. Before I had finished speaking in my heart, behold, Rebekah came out with her water jar on her shoulder, and she went down to the spring and drew water, and I said to her, Please let me drink. She quickly let down her jar from her shoulder and said, Drink, and I will give your camels drink also. So I drank, and she gave the camels drink also. Then I asked her, Whose daughter are you? And she said, The daughter of Bethuel, Nahor's son, whom Milcah bore to him. So I put the ring on her nose and the bracelets on her arms. Then I bowed my head and worshipped the Lord and blessed the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who had led me the right way to take the daughter of my master's kinsman for his son. Now, now keep looking at the heart of a professional through this. I mean, maybe one day I'll teach in, in Manager Executives Fellowship this whole passage here, all right, on the heart of a professional. Now then, if you're going to show steadfast love and faithfulness to my master, tell me, and if not, tell me, that I may turn to the right hand or to the left. Then Laban and Bethuel answered and said, This thing has come from the Lord. We cannot speak to you, good or bad. Behold, Rebekah is before you. Take her and go, and let her be the wife of your master's son, as the Lord has spoken. When Abraham's servant heard their words, he bowed himself to the earth before the Lord. And again, notice, public worship. And the servant brought out jewelry of silver and of gold and garments and gave them to Rebekah. He also gave to her brother and to her mother costly ornaments. And he said to the men who were with him, ate and drank, and they spent the night there. When they arose in the morning, he said, send me away to my master. Her brother and her mother said, let the young woman remain with us for a while, at least 10 days, and then after that she may go. But he said, do not delay me. Here's a good teaching on Procrastination, this is something that we've been talking about with the leaders lately. I, I did a teaching on time management. Now notice, do not delay me. He said, I, I don't want to procrastinate. Since the Lord has prospered my way. He said, hey, it's, it's, it's done. Let me, let me get back and be successful. They said, let us call the young woman and ask her. They called Rebecca and said to her, will you go with this man? And she said, I will go. So they sent Rebecca, sent away Rebecca and their sister and her nurse and Abraham's servant and his men. And they blessed Rebekah and said to her, Our sister, may you become thousands of ten thousands, and may your offspring possess the gate of those who hate him. <laughs> what a blessing. May your offspring possess the gate, the, the entrance and the place of counsel and wisdom of those who hate him. That's what a gate is. Then Rebekah and her young women arose and rode on the camels and followed the men. Thus the servant took Rebekah and went his way. Now Isaac had returned from Beir Lahai Roai. Remember, this is the place where Hagar learned the God who sees. Okay, He returned from Beir Lahai Roai and was dwelling in the Negev. And Isaac went out to meditate in the field toward evening. And he lifted up his eyes and saw, and behold, there were camels coming. 
And Rebekah lifted up her eyes, and when she saw Isaac, she dismounted from the camel and said to the servant, Who is that man walking in the field to meet us? And the servant said, It is my master. So she took her veil and covered herself. And the servant told Isaac all the things he had done. And Isaac brought her into the tent of Sarah, his mother, and he took Rebekah, and she became his wife, and he loved her. And Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. Go back and study this passage a little bit more. Those of you who are professionals, go back and learn. This is how a successful professional acts. All right, let's open up our hearts and spend some more time in worship.
Our New Testament passage today picks up in the book of Matthew, chapter 10, beginning with verse 1. And he called to him his twelve disciples, and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out, and to heal every disease and every affliction. All right, so notice he called to him and gave them. And what did he give them? Authority. That simply means the right. Authority over unclean spirits to cast them out. And authority to heal every disease and affliction. So I want you to notice authority is given in relationship with Christ. The difference between a man of God and a talking head is authority. Anybody can be a talking head and just talk about the Bible. But the difference between a man of God and a talking head is they spend time with Jesus and they have authority to cast out devils. They have authority to heal every disease and affliction. This spiritual authority does not come from a seminary. Spiritual authority comes from a relationship with Christ. Now, please, you know I'm not against study. I believe in study. But young pastors, you're going to have to understand, spiritual authority doesn't come from your PhD or your, your master's in theology. Spiritual authority comes from your degree on your knees. My, my grandpa was big into this. And for most of the years of my life, until my knees got bad, I love to pray on my knees, but you know, my knees never looked like my grandpa's knees. I can remember one time, rarely did I ever see my grandpa's knees. Grandpa was an extremely dignified man, very different than me, all right? Grandpa was an impeccable dresser. But I did see my grandpa's knees one time. He had knees like camels, big calluses on his knees. Now me, I've always used a pillow, but grandpa didn't use a pillow. He just kneeled and prayed until he got very, very old. And I can remember when I saw his knees, I was not saved yet. And I had big calluses on my hands because I worked as a mechanic in the in the gas stations and I cleared land and I, I unloaded trucks of, of groceries, you know, by hand. And so I had I had lots of muscles and I had big calluses. To this day I still feel bad having soft hands. But I remember thinking, what a different man my grandfather was than me. I was an unsaved young man. My calluses were on my hands. My grandfather's calluses were on his knees. That's the spiritual heritage that I treasure. But I can still remember my grandfather talking to me about prayer life. He called to him his 12 disciples and gave them authority. Authority does not come from a PhD. Authority does not come from a denomination. Spiritual authority comes from being in his presence. The names of the twelve apostles are these. First, Simon, who is called Peter, Andrew, his brother, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, Simon the zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. <laughs> He's always remembered. for the end. Notice nobody ever remembers all the good things he did. He's only remembered for the bad thing he did at the end. There's a truth that you have to learn about life, folks. 
people remember you by the end. Not by how you started, but by how you finished. Truth you need to get a hold of. These 12, these 12 Jesus sent out instructing them, Go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no town of the Samaritans, but rather go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Now, later, he would tell them to go into all the world. But first, they had to learn to reach the Jews. The gospel had to come to the Jews first. And proclaim as you go, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, remember, the kingdom of heaven refers to the authority of God. Is at hand, is available. Now, now people need to understand, they, they don't have to live under the power of demonic oppression and possession. They don't have to live under sickness and disease, and they don't have to live under the power of sin. The kingdom of heaven, the authority of God is available to deliver them. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. You have received without pain, give without pay. <laughs> I love that. You receive without pain, give without pay. Ministry is never charged for. We don't charge for ministry. Now, I know that there are people today that want to talk life coaches and they want to charge people for things, but you received. I mean, everything we received from Jesus is without pay. He said, now, now give without pay. This is why we never charge for seminars. We don't charge for water baptism. We don't charge for prayer. We don't charge to do weddings. We don't charge to do funerals. He said, you've received without paying. Give without pay. But notice, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. These are all things they have authority for because of the presence. Acquire no gold or silver or copper for your belts. Okay? He said, now, take no money. Learn to live by faith. No bag for your journey or two tunics or sandals or staff, for the laborer deserves his food. <laughs> oh, I sat down with a young man one time, and he wanted us to support him to go do something. And I smiled at him and I said, you know, it, it didn't work like that for Sister Bev and I. He said, what do you mean? I said, when Sister Bev and I landed in the Philippines, we had $300 in our pocket. And that was it. And we had no support. We were just simple kids. Now, it's easier to do when you're a kid, I will admit. But I said, you know, we were just, we figured God took care of us in America. God would take care of us here. God took care of us in Canada. God would take care of us here. We learned that the laborer deserves his food. That was over 40 years ago. We learned faith. We learned faith. You don't learn faith being supported like a little rich kid. You learn faith by going out and taking nothing with you. The laborer deserves his food. Does it look like Sister Bev and I have ever gone hungry? <laughs> when I first became your pastor, I was 165. Now, well, I went up to 280 during lockdown, and I'm back down to about 255 now. I'd like to get back down to at least 200. But as you can see, we have eaten very well. 
Now, in the early days, you know, sometimes we had mangoes for lunch and mangoes for dinner. But you know what? That's all right. We ate. We ate well. Mangoes are good. We learned that papaya is a perfect food, that you could eat it without anything else. And so we would eat lots of papaya because fruit was cheap. But you know what? You, you, you've got to learn faith. And too often today in the ministry, young people, they want everybody to support them. They don't understand at some point you're going to have to learn faith if you're going to do anything great for God. He said, whenever you enter a town or village, you enter, find out who is worthy in it, and stay there until you depart. In other words, don't keep bumping up to a better place. As you enter the house, greet it. If the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. If it's not worthy, let your peace return to you. You know, in other words, hey, you're going to come into some houses that are just, yeah, you need to get out of there. But you know, if the house is worthy, stay there until the end. Don't don't be looking to improve your position. If you go in there and you stay in a house and it's a little dirt floor and these are the people who invited you, let your peace be upon it. And if somebody comes along with a 10-bedroom mansion and a swimming pool and a Mercedes-Benz and they offer you, oh, hey, let, let me upgrade you. You don't, you don't need the upgrade, okay? No need for the upgrade. Don't embarrass people who have been good to you. Ah, and if anyone will not receive you or listen to your words, shake off the dust from your feet when you leave that house or that town, okay? There are some people who don't listen. There are some people who don't listen when we try to teach them. You know, you don't go around and get feeling bad about it and bitter and angry about it. You just shake the dust off your feet and go. Truly, I tell you, it would be more bearable in the day of judgment for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than for that town. He said, Behold, I'm sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. So Jesus said, Hey, there's danger out there. He said, You're going to have to understand that. You're sheep in the midst of wolves, and wolves eat sheep. He says, So be wise and be innocent. You have to learn to be wise and also be innocent. Beware of men. Now, here's one of Jesus's bewares, and you need to learn to take pay attention. When Jesus says, watch out or beware, pay attention. For they will deliver you over to courts and flog you in their synagogues. Wow. So in church, these people will flog you. It's amazing. So in the synagogue, they will flog you with a whip in the synagogue. And you will be dragged before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them and the Gentiles. So, all right, he said, you're going to be persecuted among the Jews for my sake. <laughs> for a purpose. Here is the purpose. Remember how I've often taught you that persecution focuses people's attention on you? All right, so when you're persecuted for his sake, people are focused on you. Bear witness of Jesus. Before the, before the kings and governors and before the Gentiles. Now, you, you see this in the apostles. You see this in Paul. When they deliver you over, do not be anxious about how you are to speak. So there's the how or what you are to say. All right. So there, there's both there. Okay. The how and the what. These are two, two things of speech that you have to learn. How and what. 
He said, for what you are to say will be given you in that hour. Okay. So don't lay there in your prison cell and meditate on what you're going to say. He said, at the very hour that you need it, it will be given to you what to say. For it is not you who speak, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. <laughs> Sometimes you don't prepare your brain in advance. Now, now here's a hard one for me, all right, because I'm always thinking through, all right, what will I say if they say this? And what will I say if they say that? And what will be my response for that? And you know, sometimes conflict, I, I look at like a chess game and you got to keep thinking ahead. But, you know, sometimes you just say, mind, shut up. Okay. Mind, shut up. Okay. Mind, shut up. This is not a chess game. This is a work of the Holy Spirit. The Father, the Spirit of your Father will be speaking through you. Brother will deliver over brother to death and the father his child. And children will rise against their parents and have them put to death. Wow. Here's family conflict over Jesus. Now, I've always taught families to love one another. And I, there's some rules in my life that I live by. I'm not going to sit down and talk to a son against his... I'm not going to talk to a son about his daddy being a bad person. I'm not going to sit down and tell a son all the bad things a father did or tell a daughter all the bad things a mother did. I just, no, no. My role in life is to turn the hearts of the fathers and mothers to their children and turn the hearts of the children to their fathers. But I also have to recognize that family is going to have divisions over the gospel. And sometimes, you know what? That's just life. And you choose to follow Jesus. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake. <laughs> Jesus. But he warned the apostles ahead of time. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. Here's a great truth that you get a hold of. The one who endures to the end will be saved. When they persecute you in one town, flee to the next. For truly I say to you, you will not have gone through all the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. Now, you got to remember, a disciple simply means a student. You know, it's always interesting to me when a young person comes to study with us, and all of a sudden they think they're smarter than all the senior pastors, and smarter than me, and smarter than Sister Bev. And A, dis a disciple is not above his teacher, and a servant is not above his master. An employee is not above the boss. No, that's Jesus' teaching. It is enough for the disciple to be like his teacher. You know, if, if I can be as good as the person who taught me, that's good. Never in my life have I presumed to have the faith of Dr. Cho. Never in my life have I presumed to be as great a pastor as John Osteen, Joel Osteen's daddy who taught me. Never in my life have I presumed to be as great a pastor as a, a Bob Schmidt-Gall, who was one of the men who trained me. Th these are great men. T.L. Osborne, never would I presume to be a, a greater open-air crusade person than a T.L. Osborne. If as a student, I can be like my teacher, I should be happy with that. Hmm. And a servant like his master... If they called the master of the house Beelzebub, 
how much more will they malign those of his household? So, you know, one of the things you have to learn is that, you know, when you study with a, a pastor, the people who speak against him, they're going to speak against you. And he told his, his apostles, he said, now listen, they've called me Beelzebub. They've called me a devil. He said, they're going to, they're going to malign you also. Okay. So have no fear of them. For nothing is covered that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. This is a truth that you need to get a hold of in life. Never live with secrets. Because you know what? There is nothing that will not be revealed. There is nothing hidden that shall not be known. You know, in my short life, I have watched people do a lot of damage in the body of Christ around the world. And I remember watching them thinking, you know what? I know the truth of those people. And it's not my job to go out and tear people down, so I'll just keep my mouth shut. But in my short life, sometimes it's five years, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. I've watched the truth come out. You cannot live a life of secrets in this world. Remember, Satan is a slanderer. So, you know, sooner or later, the truth comes out. He said, what I tell you in dark, say in the light. And what you hear whispered, proclaim on the housetops. Ah. He said, hey, pass on the teaching. And do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs on your head are all numbered. <laughs> now, all numbered. When I think of that, I think of the Mamilla Mall in Jerusalem. And there's a building in the middle of this Mamilla Mall, right near the old Jaffa Gate. And they have numbers on every stone because they took it all apart and then they put it all back together when they built them all. And I think of that, every stone is numbered. And I think, you know, I've left hair all over the world. The hairs on my head are numbered. What is he saying? God knows every detail about you. So fear not. You are of more value than many sparrows. The value of men of God. <laughs> remember, he's speaking this to the apostles. So we're talking about the value of men of God. Men that, as Paul would say, we apostles were put at the very back of the humiliation mark. He said, you're of more value than many sparrows. So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I will acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me, so acknowledges me, denies me, I will deny before my Father in heaven. So, hey, I know it's going to be hard to follow me. Jesus said, but hey, I want you to understand something. I will be standing before the Father saying, Father, that's my servant. Father, that's my servant. Father, that's my servant. Ah, there's some good stuff in there. Now, very quickly, let's close out our today with Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs 3, beginning with verse 1. My son, do not forget my teaching. Mm. So, Father's words. My son, do not forget my teaching. 
but let your heart keep my commands. All right, so this is the teaching of the Father. So we have the Father's teaching, and we have the Father's commandments. Now, you know, to this day, I still remember things my father commanded me about to this day. I still remember my father commanded me, David, in this house, you will not have a nightlife. There's nothing good that happens at night. David, if you're not at work, you are at home. School nights, 9 o'clock. Weekends, 10 o'clock. Maybe as you get older, 11 o'clock. David, you will not have a nightlife. There's nothing but trouble. Now, my dad wasn't a Christian at the time. But you know, to this day, I don't have a nightlife. If I'm not in church, I'm home with my family. (laughs) I still remember not just my father's teachings, but my father's commandments. To this day, my car is always kept clean. I don't leave garbage in my car. You see, I still remember my father's commandment. David, that car is something that you have to take care of. And if I left a McDonald's wrapper in my car, if I had a bottle, in those days we didn't have cans, but if I left a bottle, an empty bottle of Coke on the floorboard of my car, you know what? My father would walk in the house and say, David, where's your keys? And he'd take them. He said, you get them back in two weeks. I learned. I have not forgotten my father's teaching. I keep my father's commandments. For the length of days and the years of life and peace, they will be they will add to you. Ah, long life comes from listening to the instructions and commandments of your father. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. And this word here is loyalty. Bind them around your neck. Never let loyalty and kindness leave you is the the New Living Translation. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. So you will find favor, good success in the sight of God and man. Now notice, loyalty is displayed. Kindness is displayed. Loyalty and kindness are displayed. Now, when you display these things in your life and you have them on the insides, okay, so you display and you have them in your heart where you make decisions. When these two things happen, you find favor. You find success in the sight of God and the sight of man. Do you want to be successful? Learn to display loyalty in your life. Learn to display kindness, steadfast love, and faithfulness. Let these things be displayed and lived in your heart. All right. We'll see you tonight, 7 o'clock, as we get back into the Book of Romans.